Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and I'm joined again by Stu. Hey up. So, I think this is going to be the thing for the next few weeks when we discuss what's going on, but how are you coping at the moment with everything? I'm getting on okay. My day-to-day plans are pretty sort of, not strict, but I'm rationing out various activities I enjoy so that I've got stuff to look forward to. So, you know, going out for my exercise, reading for a section of time, listening to music, playing games. So that's not too bad. Um, Yeah, what about you? How about your days? Yeah, it's, it's starting to feel normal now. I think the first week, or well, the first few days to a week were odd, I think, adjusting to it. But everything feels that little bit normal now. Being stuck in or not doing the things I was doing. Yeah, it still feels okay. I'm not missing football, which is weird. That is extremely weird. Yeah, I, I love it. And I've been waiting so long for like Liverpool to win the title and it's been like taken away. But I'm not missing it. And it's something that's been a part of my life for, for years. And yeah, but I'm okay with it. But yeah, the whole the whole thing feels normal. Yeah. How did you become a Liverpool fan? Bit of a diversion, but I'm I am actually quite interested. My uncle was a Liverpool fan. I don't know how he became a Liverpool fan, but he he was a Liverpool fan. I when I was like really young, I adored that uncle, and because he was a Liverpool fan, I became a Liverpool fan. But the actual reason it happened when I was younger, everyone in my school was like Arsenal fans. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be an Arsenal fan when I was really young. So but that uncle bought me an Arsenal kit for, I think, just bought me it. I don't even think it was for a birthday, but because he knew I liked Arsenal, bought it for me. And I was so happy that he bought it for me. I went, oh, well, thank you. I'm going to support Liverpool now, which apparently was a source of great laughter within the family. <laughs> but yeah, then I've just stuck with it ever since. Nice. So, but obviously part of this is gaming. Have you moved on from VR stuff or just been playing the same stuff? I'm really loving Half-Life, Alex. So, you know, I get up every morning and uh, there's this hideous world of terrible fright and alienness. And so I retreat into Half-Life, Alex. Boom. Hey, there it goes. And it's, it's just, it's so good. I mean, it's a full game, you know. I mean, you know that conceptually when you hear people talking about it and you read reviews, but it's a very different thing when you actually get into it and a developer has had the confidence and courage to just go ahead and make a full game in VR that it has learned the lessons from earlier games, but it's bringing the full uh, experience of traversal and the different environments that are all linked together Mm. in a way that's not really been done before, or certainly that I've not come across, which is great. And it's got that thing in Half-Life of that half of the Half-Life series has of blending sort of sci-fi action and horror really well so there and, and seamlessly so you'll literally like be walking along a rail yard and it'll be like a, a thriller and you'll be gun toting gun slinging and uh, clipping fools and then you'll go down into a into like the underground section of a, of a train station and immediately you're in a horror game because there's head crabs and you're using a torch and there are blind corners and there are horrible shrieks in the distance. And the way that it just seamlessly flows between those is unbelievably good. And as, I mean, there are some of the original development team on it, but a lot of new people, but to have kept it up after like, what, 13 years since the last game and yeah. bring something that you actually want to play 
that's phenomenal. So really chuffed with that. Yeah, I've been living that one vicariously through sort of social media and other people's experiences. And yeah, it's the one game now that's making me jealous that I can't or don't have VR. But I've discovered, I don't know if I'd get on with VR at the moment because um, we got a 3DS um, for my daughter so she can play games while we're all playing like the Switch and the Xbox and stuff like that. And I can't see 3D. I've got barely any vision in my left eye at the moment. I've got not a detached retina, but I've got a stretched retina at the moment. I'm due to have surgery to try and repair it, which means I can't see. I can see sort of like almost like light to a degree, but I, I sort of like basic shapes out of that eye, but it's really grey and everything. But looking at a 3DS, I can't see the 3D at all. The picture shifts when you turn the slider up, but I just can't, yeah, can't see 3D. So I'm not sure how mm. I'd get on with VR at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I've been playing just pretty much wall-to-wall Animal Crossing on the whole because it is absolutely outstanding and brilliant. Yeah, safe universe to retreat into. Yes, and I'm better with money at Animal Crossing than I am in real life. <laughs> I, I always have been. It's one of those weird things. If I get something in real life, I have to do it, use it, spend it, whatever. Because I've always been sort of like of the mindset and i will go into this complete other time like mindsets with stuff like that but i could lose it tomorrow anyway so i'd rather my kids have got something or i've done something that i can remember um and don't really have a nest egg but when it comes to video games i i hold and i save religiously Mm. because if i do need it later i'm screwed i'm not going to be able to complete the game but then the ultimate game of life i know i don't care it's it's odd really is odd but yeah it's absolutely brilliant um but i can now talk about one other game i have been playing um because by the time this goes out the embargo is over but i've been playing disaster report 4 on the switch um it's a game that initially came out in 2000 was due to come out in 2011 in japan but the day after it was due it got delayed anyway by a few days or a couple of weeks, but the massive earthquakes and tsunamis happened in Japan. So the game was scrapped. Officially, they said it was delayed too much and they couldn't get it fixed. So, but obvious reasons, because you're set in the middle of this earthquake and then you play this character who needs to survive the earthquake and escape the city. Various interactions with talking with different people and um, the story unfolds, but you just said you just got to get out. And it's um, one of those games where if you look at it objectively, it's crap. It's got poor frame rate, the movement's slow and cumbersome. It feels like a game that's a decade old with no quality of life improvements. But what I found was those supposed issues worked in its favour with creating a feeling within me of panic and worriedness and I've got to escape this city that I don't think it would have done had it been modernized completely, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, a really interesting game. It's not going to be for everyone. And I dare say we're going to see a lot of reports about, oh my God, it's got a frame rate that feels like it's moving pictures rather than a video game. It's not this, it's not that. And there's loads wrong with it, which are all true. But yeah, it's, from my point of view and from the idea, it, it conveys something really, really well. And it feels old, it feels cumbersome, but if you are into those sort of games, well worth a shot. That's fascinating. Now, 
there are very few of those time traveler games where they were designed years ago and they were delayed so long that they are only just coming out. It puts me in mind of uh, like Daigatana, which I never actually ended up playing because, you know, it was going to be this, oh, it's bringing so many innovations to the genre. And then it was so late that everyone was like, oh, no, 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 it's all right. We fixed all those problems and we've got a new engine and it looks way better. Yeah. And uh, you can, yeah, you <laughs> can forever. Colonial Marines is another Colonial one. Colonial Marines, yeah. yeah. And again, I mean, objectively, it goes into that category. It should have been released then. It's released too late and it's crap. But it's not at the same time. But it's not, it's not also Deadly Premonition, where Deadly Premonition is bad, which makes it good. It, 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 it is... Yeah, I can't really explain it, but it, it's certain people, if you play it, will get a certain feeling from it and you'll enjoy it. But it's one of those games where I can't go, everyone's got to go and play it because people will come back and probably abuse me for telling them to play something that's not very good. But it just is. <laughs> it worked for me. And that, that that's the point I'm trying to make. I mean, yeah. No, I get it. I think um, David, David Cage has built his entire career around being so bad it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. the game's objectively like everything yeah. about just make a film, horrible. mate. Just go and make an actual film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Uwe, if Uwe, um, I can say Uwe Rosley is a footballer. If Uwe <laughs> Bolt can do it, then you can do it, David Cage. Go on, have a, have a go. Just get paid by the proper critics rather than having to go at the game's critics. Yeah, you got it. Um, uh, I've also been playing a game called um, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which is yes. an odd one because there was an there's an iOS and Android game, I think, for it. And it's got other media, I think, you know, anime and maybe manga. So it's a anime-styled fighting game that has RPG elements, Mm -hmm. or purportedly does. In actuality, it's kind of more like Guardian Heroes, which immediately makes people's ears prick up and go, oh, my God, a new Guardian Heroes. Nowhere near that level of quality, I'm afraid. It's more like a sort of my first Guardian Heroes. It's kind of like a kiddie playpen version. That's not a criticism, though. It's, mm-hmm. because of that, more accessible. Uh, it's interesting. It's visually okay. It's well animated, and the style is all right, although you know, pretty generic by the standards of the time. Backgrounds are a bit lackluster, but the character design's pretty good. And the fighting itself is very solid. You get introduced to new mechanics, you know, very frequently. And it's all right. It's not bad. It's clean, clear, and easy to understand. Uh, fairly simplistic diversion. And it's, kind of, you know, it's one of those you can't help thinking of. They just beefed up the dialogue a little bit. Or if they just increased the... You, you know, they made the visuals a little bit more unique and had a bit more character in the art, art style, or the move set was a little bit more unusual, then it would be absolutely fantastic. But as it stands, you know, perfectly fine, cheerful, bright, interestingly, you know, cute in places. I'm going to do a full review of it for the site, but yeah, for now, it, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, it's all right. Do you remember? Do you remember when? That used to be okay as well, though, that games were all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of now, there seems to be, the, unless they're brilliant, they're not good enough. Mm. And I say, I, I do, I think I've, wrote, I've done a little thing about mid tier games, but I do love all right games. 
that you could kind of pick up playing for a bit and yeah they're right so i can move on to something that's better if need be but it passes the time so yeah i'm looking forward to hearing the full review for that can't avoid the subject too much and please anyone tell us if you want us to do something to completely avoid it um but obviously covid19 this is our life for the time being but this is gonna sound wrong to many people but i mean enjoying it's the wrong word uh, but i don't want to get this wrong but I'm okay with everything at the moment. I'm in a better place than I have been for years. And it struck me the other day after somebody I, I know mentioned that what they wouldn't give to have some of the worries they had before rather than what they're going through now. And it got me to thinking was actually, no, I've been, never been as calm as I am now because for the first time, in god knows how long i don't care about my money worries i don't care about my debts i don't care about the mistakes i've made because i now know i'm not the only one in this position there's loads of people in the same position as i am and no one knows what the future holds at the moment so there's no one You've got people who are obviously that they're living in like better houses and th and things like that, and you know they have got savings. But on the whole, the troubles I'm having getting through to Universal Credit, for example, been well over a week now, and I've still not been able to get through. But those troubles I'm having is because loads of other people are having those troubles too, and that's calming to me. That for a lot of us, rock bottoms happening to a degree. And it's a global rock bottom. So we've got to find a way out of it. We've got to find a way up. There's no way the governments now, after the stuff they've done, can put us all back to where we were. Because there's going to be an uprising if they do. So something is going to change one way or another. A lot of the right-wing views are now being called out for what they are. You know, and it's horrible that three, the, three, the first three doctors in the UK to have died were from Asian descent. And people are now going, you can never, ever say that immigrants are the cause of this or the cause of that. They're the problem because they're putting down their lives to try and save us. So there's been a massive shift. And that's calming me. I'm in a, such a good place because of it. And I know the world's going to shit because people are dying left, right and centre. And that is horrible but i think we are at a moment in human history where we'll look back at this in the history books and go that's where we started turning it around that's where we all started getting better and that makes me feel good does that make sense absolutely makes sense it's really great as well it's, it's really positive and uplifting to hear somebody taking something positive from it and i do agree with you i mean i've read a lot of things of people going oh things will just go back to <clears throat> into the the bad old days and the way that they were capitalism gonna capitalist and all that stuff yeah but no i actually agree with you i'm i'm a pragmatist at heart so looking at it pragmatically i can't see anyone who is sort of i don't know 20 or even maybe 25 and younger particularly, going, oh, yeah, no, there was this old knackered way of life, and I only experienced that for a few years, and then this happened, and I'm going to go back to it. <laughs> My hope is with the kids. It's great that 
when our people of our generation feel that hopefulness as well. But I think with the kids, they're the ones who are going to be constructing the new world. And can you imagine them wanting to build it on the template of the old one? No, of course not. And exactly. Yeah. Again, the, uh, again, I hope this doesn't come across in the wrong way in saying it. But the reason we're seeing a lot of mouthpieces at the moment speaking out and trying to claim that we will get back to normal or things will go back to normal, especially the likes of Donald Trump in America, what we're hearing from right-wing press here and things like that, it's because a lot of their supporters, and I don't mean this in a horrible way at all, they're being wiped out by this because it was the older generation who were giving them the support that they needed. The young, they know the younger generation are more leftist than what, what support they had from the older generation. And because this is causing deaths in the older age groups, especially, they're losing huge amounts of votes or support that they would usually get. And so they're having to do what they can now to try and suppress. And you're, you're sensing that. You are sensing that there's, they're trying to suppress, but it's not working. Again, I'm not advocating anyone dying from this at all. I would rather things were as they were to a degree and no one was dying in the masses that they are. <clears throat> but the truth is, it is happening. People are dying from this. And a lot of those people who are dying would have known these old ways and have only ever known these old ways. And this it's been beneficial for them. And so that's why I think a revolution will happen. Yeah. And yeah, that, I mean, that's what we all hope for is that, you know, the, the youth learn from the mistakes of their elders. And like you say, the old guard has to be swept away one way or another. We don't wish for it, but it happens anyway, because yeah. that's the nature of humanity. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty hopeful as well. And it's a, it's a nice beacon to look forward towards. And on a more personal level, and I'm going to ask you, obviously, if you want to discuss this, before we did, uh, planned the recording for today, you said, obviously, yesterday, you know, you wasn't particularly in the mood for doing it or, or keeping it very, very short. And we spoke about the idea of, if that's the case, to talk about, you know, I'm just not in the mood for something. It's okay to say that sometimes. But also in the normality of discussing mental health, it's okay to say you don't want to talk about it. There seems to be always a pressure that if you do have a, a personal issue at the moment or you are not there mentally that you need to talk about it but sometimes it's okay not to so I, I, again so i'll leave it up to you um what were your thoughts you know you know as of yesterday that you didn't really want to talk or you did want to shorten it so yeah i, I agree with you completely sometimes you just can't you don't want to talk about things. And in the moment, sort of yesterday, the thought of having a conversation where you were disclosing was the furthest thing from my mind, you know, that was mm. conceivably possible. Because, yeah, everybody gets into that situation and each person reacts differently. But where you, you, you can't disclose, your mind's not plangent enough to cope with it at that time. And, you know, yesterday, both me and my wife were, were down. We were in a low point you know as you do get into and i think it was a combination of you know the silly but the weather starting to take a turn and getting gloomy and yeah. another day of doing approximately the same stuff and then several ideas come into your mind of what you can do and what you would normally do and none of them can be done and and just we all hit we both hit a dip at the same time for that and mm -hmm. um yeah and then 
conceptualizing doing something like this, what it just wasn't on the table. And I feel differently today, but I could feel differently again tomorrow. And I think like you say, it's best to just be honest about it and yeah. say when you don't when you don't want to say, say talk about when you don't want to talk, ironically. But yeah. Yeah. You know. And I, I bring to mind I would say probably our I don't want to say like rank our episodes, but I think the most disjointed one we had was the one where we spoke about money. And I honestly think that came from a point where I don't think any of us actually wanted to talk about how we were at the time. We, I think I don't know whether it was all on a downwards or anything like that, but mm. it just didn't feel like the podcast was going anywhere with that one. Yeah, and you know I think it would be would have been okay just to concentrate on the gaming side for that particular podcast rather than trying to find a subject. But yeah, no, you know, and I feel I, I felt bad almost introducing this one because I was going. I know you didn't want to talk about it, but do you mind talking about it? <laughs> um, and it's I, 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 thankfully you got where I was going with that. But yeah, it's it is okay that sometimes you don't want to talk about things because the normalization about of things is that it hasn't got to be brought up at every time. But when you are ready to bring it up, people are ready for it at the same time. And it is so hard to ask everyone, I suppose, to understand that on a Monday you might be okay, um, on you know, you're happy, chatting about everything. On a Tuesday, you just want to shut off in a corner somewhere. But by that later that afternoon, you want to have a deep and meaningful conversation with someone. It's it's very hard, I think, still for people to understand what goes through the mind when you know people are open with mental health. And I don't like saying people who haven't got it because, I, you know, I, it's such a wide spectrum. I think it's also wrong to go, oh, if you've never had mental health issues, you don't understand. People could have mental health issues but not know they've got it at the same time. Yeah. So you've got to expect when someone doesn't give you the reaction you're after, it's not because they're horrible. They're not being rude. They just can't put themselves into what you're going through. They are, they're going through things of their own at the same time. So... I'm learning a lot of things just by this, just by being more open and discussing it more. I'm learning so many more things. And it's scary how much I don't understand, despite having suffered for many, many years. Um, but but you, the main thing is, but your ears are open and your mind's open. And that's all we can ask of, of ourselves, really. And that's definitely a positive. Yeah. So this is a slightly shorter one, I hope, in the end. But we will try it in some way, bring you one every week. So as we touched upon, if we do have a, a week where neither of us are up to it, we will try it and produce something, even if it's just a, a five-minute monologue from someone just to say so there is something out there. Because I know some people have said they, they actually enjoy having this every week to go to. So something will be put out. I'm also going to be having an interview with a friend of mine coming up called Ray Carcillo. He's a games journalist in the US, and we're going to talk about games to play during the lockdown. And just to touch on also our Discord server. A few couple of people have signed up to it at the moment. Please, it's there. If you do want to join, you can get the invite links from our website. I'll also, it'll be below this in youtube and places like that for you to get hold of it and descriptions it's not just chatting about mental health so if you are worried that it's all just going to be mental health chat it's not we'll talk about video games 
if you want to talk about films, music, your day-to-day life, you want to rant about the kids, whatever, we'll create the channels you need within the server as well. But it's there. It's a resource. And as I said before, we've got a Patreon going. If you feel you can or want to donate, it's welcome, but it's not a necessity for anything. Nothing is going to be locked out. So, yeah, that's all there. Like, share, subscribe. I'll never get a proper sign-off, and that is definitely becoming my thing. Um, Shoot, anything to add before we go? To use the cliche, just stay safe? Yes, definitely. So, I've been Bradley, been joined by Stu. Thank you for joining us. Until next week.